You are listening to episode 209 of the Game Deflators Podcast. My name is John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody. Here at the Game Deflators Podcast, we like to talk about games. We've recently picked up games we're currently playing, and we're faster than light and more colorful than the rainbow in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So this week we're playing a little bit of Sonic Colors on the Nintendo Wii. Um, Ryan, I actually had a pretty good time with this one. Yeah, we didn't spend too much time with it, but this is one of those Sonic games that's always been like, hey, have you played Sonic Colors? That's the good one. So I, I was interested to check it out. You know, I wish I would have done a little more research beforehand on um, some of the you know back-end stuff like on Wiki. So I don't know if you did, so hopefully you did. No. No, you did not. So we're going in like super blind on this episode. It doesn't matter. It's Sonic. It, it is Sonic. You all understand the concept. We'll get to it in our inflation deflation segment here towards the end. Uh, but first, we always like to talk about where you can find us. So on Twitter, at Game Deflators, on Facebook, at The Game Deflators, uh, and on Instagram, it's also at The Game Deflators. You can find us on YouTube, where I'm actually, Ryan, I'm at 179 episodes currently uploaded on YouTube. Woo! So if you're hearing this and you want to listen back to older episodes on YouTube for whatever strange-ass reason, you can do that. Um, Let's see, where else can I find us on the podcast we're listening to right now? Uh, Leave us a five-star review. And then, of course, on our out-of-date website, thegamedeflators.com. Hopefully, I can get that one updated uh, here in the next few months, but doubtful. Okay, we'll kick it over to you first, So, Did you have any recent pickups? Did you play anything this past week? Yes and no. So I haven't picked anything up, but I have been browsing Twitter every day, looking at the latest and greatest Pokemon leaks. And man, as much as I've not been into Pokemon on this podcast, but do have a dying love for Pokemon in my heart, I got to say I'm fairly interested uh, you know, there's the multiplayer aspect. Um, I've seen most of the Pokedexes, and they look, like, kind of interesting. Uh, there's some, like, different mechanics that I'm interested to see how many of them they have. So, like, uh, spoilers, if you want nothing to know about Pokemon, tune out for a few minutes. Um, there's finally a Dolphin Pokemon. Really? I've been thinking there should be a Dolphin Pokemon forever. Uh, so, what it does is the second evolution... It doesn't evolve a third time, but if you return it in battle and then send it out again, it comes out in a different form. It comes out in its, like, hero form. So it's really kind of cool. Like, I think that maybe they're going to try to change up some things. So I'm interested to check it out. Uh, Is it, what's it called, Dolphinmon? Uh, Palafin. Palafin. Okay. And then, let's see, Uh, I've been playing more Gunfire Reborn. I actually really am still digging it a lot. I've beaten two runs now. I beat them both yesterday on two different characters. And, uh, man, being able to abuse some of those systems, once you really get some, like, really good synergies going, it's like, okay. Like, I'm doing, I'm used to, like, trying to do crits and do, like, 12,000 damage or something on a headshot, like, in the late game. And then I just, I was playing as this character who has, like, more, like, martial attacks and close range. 
they have this one ability that like every time you kill a guy with it, you get like plus five base damage. And then there's like another ability you can get that if you kill a guy, you get another use of that ability. And then all kinds of multiplier stacks. And I got it to the point where I was just like farming these guys that would spawn things. And I got it like over 3000 to try to unlock the like skill. You did a high thing. Here's like a little frame for your thing. And it didn't give it to me. But whatever. But I was doing like 40k per just slap of my wing on everything that I was running through and destroying everything. It was nuts. And I beat the boss in like just a few hits. It, it felt pretty good. So I've got like... I got enough to finally unlock the last character. So I haven't done any runs with that one. And then I've got two more characters or three more characters that I need to finish runs with. So I'm actually going to see if maybe I can grind this one out and get to the point where I've beaten like every character in a run. I'm like two investment points away from getting to like level 100. So I don't know if that'll be like the last unlock of a thing, but I'll just keep playing and see where it goes. I'm having a lot of fun with that. And then um, let's see. That's pretty much it. Not a lot of gaming stuff going on besides that. We did go check out the Brothers War pre-release. Uh, and that was quite fun. I actually drafted like a pretty fun deck. I had a lot of good matches. Um, I got uh, Mishra and like some other fun cards. So it was a good time. Yeah, that, that was actually a lot of fun. Um, so as far as my pickups this week... Uh, Gaming related, obviously the uh, Brothers War pre-release pack and some boosters that I won from my few matches that I won. Uh, but I also got the Dragonlance campaign book with the alternate cover uh, for D&D. And that particular book, it's released, I think, December 2nd, I want to say, or December 5th, first week of December. Uh, so I have that one coming in from, um, God, what's the name of the company that I buy from? Uh, Game Nerds. That's who I buy from all the time. Really good company, as far as my experiences are concerned. Other than, like, if you ordered, like, for example, 50 items, and, like, two of those out of the 50 items were, like, pre-release items, you don't get any of your stuff until the pre-release stuff is put in. Mm -hmm. Or pre-order stuff, I should say. So, that kind of sucks. Um, whatever their policy is there. So, something to keep in mind if you ever decide to purchase through them. Uh, as far as currently playing is concerned, I actually picked Claire up on the PS4. Um, well, I should say re-picked it up uh, for us. You know, we played it a while back, uh, did a little episode on that, and it's a pretty short game. So I decided to go back to it and, and kind of play through a little bit more. And uh, I got to say, I do, I do enjoy it. I think it was totally worth it. I think we, I want to say that you and I rated it as um, uh, deflated. Let me see. If I recall. I don't even remember which one it was, dude. So you'll have to dig through quite a lot there. Um, but yeah, so I got through uh, where you and I stopped was we had to go to the pediatric ward uh, to find like a doctor's key and then go back to the ER, which would allow us to get... Just right. Just right. Okay. It was episode 190. Nice. So go back and listen to episode 190. Uh, but, you know, I had to go ahead and get like the, uh, the doctor's key and then go back to the ER, which would open up the cafeteria level. And so that's where I'm at now is the cafeteria uh, it's super creepy game, um, you know, for being what it is and it's supposed to be pretty short. So, uh, I'm excited to go through that and, and finish it up. You know, I talked about a while back, potentially finishing it up and then things kind of gotten away. Um, but I think now I'm in a point where I can, you know, 
when the baby's asleep, pick it up, play for like an hour or so, and uh, maybe finish it off in the next week or so. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, and, and I'll get into in our little discussion here on like things that we're looking forward to, but um, oh, you know what? A couple other pickups I had. The uh, Lego game or collection on uh, for Harry Potter that was on uh, PlayStation Plus. I grabbed that. And then um, whatever the other, they had Neo 2. I downloaded Neo 2. And there was like Heavenly Bodies, I think is what it's called on there. So I picked up Heavenly Bodies as well. Um, so yeah, I, I'm excited about all of those. Uh, but I think I'm most excited about Neo 2 because I, I don't have it yet uh, physically. And figured, why not have it digitally? You know, if I ever decide to beat Neo 1, which was years ago pretty hard. So I do need to, and that one was actually pretty repetitive. So I hope Neo 2 actually fixed a lot of the repetitive nature of, the, uh, of that title in particular. Uh, all right, so diving into our next piece here. So, you know, I'll, I'll just state the articles that we're going to kind of cover really news that's in market right now. So first one uh, that we're going to discuss today is going to be Dragon Age's producer. Um, says that the Microsoft Activision merger is probably bad in the long run, so we'll dive into that. Uh, Elon Musk on Twitter. So apparently um, there was a gaming platform there, so... This is called on Elon Musk Twitter gaming offers a glimpse of a chaotic future. This is the title of that one. We'll dive into that. And uh, Nintendo is considering various initiatives and further enhancements for the Nintendo Switch Online. Uh, so we'll cover that too and some of the uh, nitty gritty details on that. But before we do that, um, figured let's talk about 2023 gaming. It's never too early. Yeah, so we really just kind of wanted to look at, I mean, really just kind of talk about some of the games coming out in 2023 that we're probably most excited about. You got to you gotta remember, you know, beyond the other side of all these games that are coming out now and in the next coming weeks, there's going to be more. There's going to be so much more. It's like a super stacked February, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Um, February is looking pretty good. Uh, January as well, actually, is not looking too bad. Uh, you know, the big one that I see in January is, uh, and now I can actually have more of an appreciation for it, is One Piece Odyssey. Yeah, so that is one that I've been kind of considering too. I think it's going to be on Game Pass or something, and it's uh, an RPG. And, like, there's lots of One Piece Muso games, which are like the Dynasty Warriors type games. So, like, if you're into that or, you know, um, I'm sure there's a number of fighting games and stuff. But, like, this seems like it's going to be a lot of fun and its own unique story. Um, I, I'm excited. I, I do want to check that one out as well. Uh, let's see. The other one coming out in January so far, they've got Dead Space is currently slated uh, for that period of time, as well as Forspoken. Yeah, uh, those are two that are absolutely on my list. Specifically, for Spoken, that's one I really want to play. Yeah, for Spoken, I still think uh, it's going to be a while before I play that, especially because who knows when I'll have a PS Five. Um, but it looks like a game that I would rather probably wait and see what people have to say about. I don't have a lot of history with Dead Space, but I do think that it looks cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would. I would definitely want to go back and check that out rather than going back and playing the original. Like mm -hmm. I've watched a lot of people who have made like retrospectives on the whole franchise or talked in depth about dead space. And there's so much cool stuff that they did that I bet now it's going to be just even that much better. But then you've got, um, 
Uh, what's that game by that same the original creators that's coming out soon? I don't know offhand. Oh gosh, it's killing me. It's gonna kill you. Yeah. Well, while you try and figure it out, destroy me, roast me. I deserve it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know either. Uh, February, we got Hogwarts Legacy. Uh, that is one that I have had. I mean, we, dude, we talked about a Hogwarts RPG back in like our double digit episodes, I think like in the, in the sixties, I want to say is when we talked Hogwarts RPG, maybe even before that. So I'm pretty stoked about that game. Uh, cause it's been several years now since we got like teaser images and then obviously we've got video footage and now gameplay and other things that are going out. Um, Let's see, Tales of Symphonia Remastered. Uh, that's going to be a good one. Uh, you've got Wild Hearts coming out. That's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, and then Digimon World Next Order. Callisto Protocol. Callisto Protocol. That's what that? I was thinking. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that for sure is one that's exciting. Um, Octopath Traveler 2 is another one. Then you got Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe on the Switch will be coming out. So I think all of those are, are fairly exciting games. Anything else for you in, in February that you've kind of got your eyes on? I mean, Hogwarts Legacy is definitely going to be the one to be like, okay, where is this going to go? What's this going to look like? Uh, is it going to live up to, you know, what the potential could be? Also, especially with like, I think Harry Potter is like kind of a dead franchise now. I think Warner Bros. said that they're not going to make any more movies. I don't know about that. I saw like a headline or something because it's like everybody that was like involved in the like, uh, Fantastic Beasts movies is like canceled now because they like <laughs> had one thing or another come up. J.K. Rowling herself is like on the edge of society. Nobody really wants to work with her. Like, I mean, they could keep doing what they're doing, but like, I feel like it's going to go downhill unless they get some meat behind it. And maybe this could be that new direction. Maybe it's time to take Harry Potter and give it to the fans in a way that lets them be more involved and go like more into original gaming and stuff and take that in some new directions. Yeah. Cause like Harry Potter as a whole, man, is still very, I, I wouldn't say it's a dead franchise at all. Like I think it still prints money. Like, well, yeah, I mean, it makes money. money and merch and people go to the place, but like it needs new movies. It needs new books. And like, if she's not writing them, where are they coming from? Yeah. Somebody's got to do it. Yeah. No, I get you. Uh, I also, you know, I'm going to get Tales of Symphonia remastered for Switch just because I love the original Tales of Symphonia and having that on a portable, I think would be great. I kind of wish that they had done like the like two pack with one and two. Yeah. Even though two's not that great, but. Well, they did on PS3 a long time ago. I yeah, mean, exactly. that's also At an option. Do that. Or, I mean, I guess everybody's pissed because they didn't do like the original GameCube 60 frame per second version. This is like a lower frame version. So it's not like the best that it could be. Well, uh, I don't know if we'll be able to check it out, but Blood Bowl 3, that's definitely one we'll, wa we'll want to check out at some point. Yeah, I don't see why we wouldn't. I mean, it's definitely going to be worth like, you know, a lot of these games that are being announced and, and coming out like for sure i want to try at least demos at the very least right uh diving into march wulong fallen dynasty is one that i've had my eye on for a while now it looks pretty amazing um you got fatal frame uh, mask of the lunar eclipse so another fatal frame coming out uh this one was always interesting to me oni road to the mightiest oni uh or road to be the mightiest oni that one actually caught my attention a while back too um storyteller was the other one 
uh, that I thought was pretty cool when we saw it in that Nintendo Switch Direct or Nintendo Direct. That was awesome. And of course, Resident Evil 4 Remake. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Can't wait. That's going to be so good. And I've been watching people do uh, some content, getting excited for that. Uh, somebody's playing, Pro Jared's playing a randomized Resident Evil 4. And I'm just wondering, like, what kind of updates and how they're going to change it. And oh, I'm just so excited. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, jumping into May, we've got Legend of Zelda Tears of a Kingdom. Yes. So I still need to play Breath of the Wild. Uh, Do I'm... you, though? When's the last time you needed to play a Zelda to play another Zelda? Well, I mean, I just beat Ocarina of Time not too long ago. Yeah, but I mean, like, it doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't. It's just a Zelda. But this one's like a direct sequel. Yeah, but does it really matter? Yeah, because it's a direct sequel. <laughs> I don't think it's going to matter. I think this one does matter, actually. Um,. Okay, so uh, in other areas, like to be announced still, you've got Alan Wake 2 uh, will be coming out at some point. Uh, you've got Baldur's Gate 3 on PC, which will be interesting. Uh, you've got Blanc, which is on both Switch and PC. Uh, what else do we got here? Dude, there's like a ton of stuff that's coming out in 2023. you got Diablo 4, so hopefully they uh, do a little better than Diablo on the uh, you know phone. Uh, and let's see, Dune, the Spice Wars on PC, they actually looked pretty badass. The one I am most excited about, though, Ayudin Chronicle, 100 Heroes. Uh, so I actually Kickstarter backed that one um, a while a while ago. Uh, so I'm excited to see that one come into play. Um, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth uh, will be coming out. Final Is Fantasy it, though? Well, yeah, it's true. Like, that's one of those ones where it's like, you know, I feel like it's been... What was it? Early 2020? I think it was earlier than Or was earlier it 2019? They first announced this whole thing no, when back it, in like... when it came out. When Final oh. Fantasy Remake came out. Oh, Seven man. Remake. Yeah, like 2019, I think. Yeah, so it's yeah. like... I just don't feel like it's been long enough. Like, I feel like every Final Fantasy has to take like eight years now. Or in the case of 15, you know, forever. Uh, well, yeah, Final Fantasy 16 is mm -hmm. supposed to be out. Uh, so that'll be cool if that can come out at the right time frame. Um, you have the uh, Grim Grim or Grim Grimoire once more uh, will be coming out. Uh, Hello Neighbor Search and Rescue is another cool one. Um, I'm just going through like a very long list here. Killer Clowns and from Outer Space the game. Mm. That one, you know, it, it's such a stupid movie, but the simple fact that they're gonna have that game is gonna be pretty cool. Uh, Mega Man Battle Network Legacy Collection. That's actually one that's very worth getting. Um, yeah. Just because of how expensive those games are, uh, it'll totally be worth getting uh, the Game Boy Advance version. It's pretty fun. I was playing the first one earlier this year. Uh, Pikmin 4 is another one. Uh, Redfall on the Series X and S. Uh, dude, Redfall looked badass when they did the uh, preview for that one. You know, we missed uh, Metal Slug Tactics. I thought that looked kind of neat. I, I think that Metal Slug has such like a unique art style. And like, even though I haven't played very much of it, it kind of has this nostalgia feel. And I think it's cool for them to branch it out into like something different. Yeah. Uh, sea of Stars actually looks like a really badass RPG. Um, for whatever Ooh, reason, Redfall. Well, that's the one I just mentioned. Redfall's gonna look awesome, dude. Yeah, Redfall's. Um, that's gonna be on Game Pass. Mm -hmm. Uh, you have the Silent Hill games potentially coming out next year. Uh, Stalker Two, Heart of Chernobyl, System um, Shock. Yep, System, System Shock. Shock's gonna be 
probably pretty amazing. I've never played the original System Shock games, but I'm willing to bet that this is going to be really good. We'll do like two more here. We've got um, the Lords of Fallen, or Lords of the Fallen. And... Ooh, the Plucky Squire. That one looked really cool. And then Ease 9 will actually be put on the PS5. So I was considering getting Ease 9 on the PS4, but screw that. I'll just buy it on PS5, and it'll be much cheaper in the long Man, run. Man, this me. is all March? No, that's not oh. all March. That's, oh, no, this is all just still to be announced. Yeah, it's still to be announced. Things that have been in talks, or we've seen previews, or we know it's coming out in 2023. So uh, long story short, there is a lot to get excited for in 2023 and beyond that. I mean, that's just like the tip of the iceberg. So, I'm, dude, I'm stoked. Um, since we're in this like discussion mode still, I'll uh, kind of let the folks know where I am with One Piece because uh, I keep bringing it up, right? In every episode, it seems. Uh, so I, of course, passed the Thriller Bark uh, arc. I got to Sabote as well, where Sabote he Archipelago. Yep. So completely destroys that. Gets launched off to the Amazons and um, or Amazonians, and I completely ship. Luffy and Boa Hancock. Yeah, absolutely. everybody loves Boa. Absolutely love that. Like I am all for that. So I and we got confirmation. No, no, don't spoil anything. <laughs> don't spoil anything for me. Uh, so yes, that that is pretty awesome right there. So where I'm at now is Luffy has gone to uh, Impel Down, and I'm absolutely loving like every single level he goes down. He oh meets no, one I was of his... in I was in uh, spoil. I was saying we got confirmation that his powers work everywhere on his body. Oh, I, <laughs> from his time on the Amazon Island. Oh my God, that's right. When they're like, "Oh, he stretches." Oh, I want to play with him yeah. and touch him. And I'm like, "What the hell and is now going you're, on?" So you're finally at Impel Down. I'm at Impel Down, and oh. I'm loving right now. To every single level he goes down. So he saw Buggy, and then now he's with Mister Three. And I'm yeah. like, "Who's gonna be on level four? And Mister level three? three is great. Yeah. So, um, that's been hilarious because like Buggy's like, no. I'm just going to be a traitor and I'm not going to follow him. And then like when he stays on the top, he gets chopped down and yeah. he falls in. And then uh, Mr. Three and Buggy are like, all right, we're going to create an alliance. We're going to get out of here and leave the straw hat to die. And then they get stuck again and they're still having to follow him through. So I'm pretty excited about all of that. Like it's been, I'm loving the Impel Down arc. I'm loving uh, the Sabody arc and everything that was meant with that, with the uh, Celestial Dragons and everything tied to that uh plus uh you know gold rogers uh, second in command was just dude like that whole component was just awesome and then seeing all of the other like crewmates in all of these different areas like all the interactions how they're, they're having, all learning and growing yeah, yeah yeah and so that's kind of what i like about that is like they they allude to the whole fact of you know, oh, well, we're too weak. We're not going to be able to do anything. We're going to die. Like, all these crazy things are going to happen. And they've all gone on these separate paths to grow in their own way. So when they come back together, they're just going to be even more powerful. So, like, the whole thing of Luffy unleashing his hockey and not knowing it uh, within the Amazonians, and they're just like, that was the spirit of the Conqueror or whatever. I'm like, that's, like, pretty cool. Like, this whole growth segment that's happening right now and just seeing them all kind of on their own, I'm loving it. So... Uh, I'm all for it right now, and I think that's like episode 431 that I'm on right now. So, dude, I'm blazing through it. And I think dubbed-wise, they're only up to like episode 874, so I'm hoping that by the time I get to like the 874 range, that they've released like another, you know, 40 episodes or 50 episodes by that point. So I'm a little closer to that like 1,100 episodes in market 
uh, and you know that much less that I have to read subbed. So yeah, unfortunately, once I get to a certain point, I'm going to be watching it subbed. You know, because I'm going to want it. Switch to the manga. No, no. But I did just hear that uh, the manga, as of July, it's he's starting to write out the final arc. Yep. Like he's in it now, and he's anticipating in the next two to three years it'll be complete. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. So kind of cool that I jumped on it at this point. You know. I know that's kind of what I did too. I was like, I I need to get this finished before. Like, I want to be there when it's done. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, and I didn't even have that mindset going in. I was just like, okay, One Piece is one that I always see everywhere. Yeah. It is, uh, it was on Netflix. I'm like, you know what, let's just watch it. Let's see how it is. I got hooked. What's the What's the hype about? Yeah, exactly. And so now I'm absolutely hooked to it, and uh, I'm excited about it. Dude, it's, like, slowly transforming into my favorite anime. Yeah. For sure. Point. Like, it's so good. All right. Uh, anything on your end before we dive into some of these uh, topics? No, let's get it. All right, cool. So Dragon Age producer uh, says Microsoft Activision merger is probably bad in the long run. Uh, this is Derek Strickland at Tweaktown. I think, dude, I think we've done a Tweaktown article before. Yeah, so this is talking about uh, Dragon Age producer and ex-Bioware game developer Mark Dara uh, believing that Microsoft buying Activision Blizzard is probably going to be a bad thing in the long run. And, you know, there's some certain points. BioWare went through their whole buyout with EA, and obviously that has not gone super swimmingly for them. I mean, their next game has been kind of in development for quite a while. There was lots of rumors about, like, it going to be, like, a multiplayer, live service type game, and then that was kind of walked back. And just, like, in general... I can see how Bioware went from, you know, being this great thing, and then they kind of got EA'd all over. And EA tends to do that with their studios. So I can see how somebody like them might feel like this is not going to be well. Although he does say, you know, in the short run, like there's definitely some stuff in there that could be cleaned up. And in the short run, that could help. But I don't know. Microsoft does such a good job of trying to pitch itself well that it makes you want to believe what they're saying, but they're a company, so you really can't trust them or believe what they're saying. But like, I would like to think that you know this acquisition will give those studios the ability to go out and make great stuff. And like, I keep saying like what Pentiment did, and they're going to keep propping that up as like, oh, here's how great Game Pass is and how it helps studios. So you know. Whether or not that stays true for every studio in this acquisition, you know, or everything does get worse eventually, I mean, it'll probably be somewhere in the middle. Things will get better. Some things will get worse. But that's just kind of business. Like, I mean, is it going to stay any better where it's at? Yeah, you know, I am still, you know, I'm not even on the edge. I think it's poor in general for the uh, the gaming community to have Microsoft take over Activision Blizzard you know, regardless of the cultural aspects of it internally. So yeah, let's just say they fix the culture of Activision Blizzard internally. They start throwing out the trash. They start, you know, as it says in this article, taking a leaf blower and just blowing out, you know, from all the dark crevices of Activision Blizzard. You know, that's great. Cool. You're going to have this nice company that you can work for. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, yes, it's important people's health and well-being in this company and, and how things are going. But how does this affect the overall industry and other companies that are now going to have to, you know, go against this giant? You know, so you have 
Nintendo and you've got uh, Sony, obviously how it's going to affect their studios and the mental health of their employees who are going to have to start pumping out games even faster, potentially working on crunch time because you have this other, you know, Microsoft's just consolidating the market at that point. So what else are they going to do other than acquire more studios, put more crunch time and try and get more games out there to stiffen the competition. So I think there's other some, some other adverse effects that could come from this. Uh, he also does state that in the long term, it could be a bad idea in terms of consolidation, as you'd noted, uh, with creative freedoms uh, that are tied to these uh, companies. Because Microsoft is maybe going to want to have, you know, their ship kind of sail in, in one direction and not offer a lot of experimentation outside of that. And so there is that aspect of it, too, but it's kind of negative. Um, you know, and kind of similar or tied to this, uh, you know, I saw a tweet earlier today, which I... Uh, retweeted on our account, so you can check that out. But there's a video of Phil Spencer in the last few weeks stating that, you know, as their intent, so the keyword being intent, is to continue having games like, or really continue having Call of Duty on PlayStation moving forward. Yeah. But the keyword is intent. Yeah. So you can go back on your intent. And so I'm just, I'm still not buying it, dude. Like at all. The whole merger, everything tied to it. Do you think it's it, going to go I'm, through? Like I'm hearing a lot of people this week we're like, I don't know, like with all the like research going on in UK and like a couple of the other countries that are like starting to be like, I don't know, they're thinking that it might not go through. And then other people are just like, no, this is a done deal. This will be closed by next June. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to happen. I don't think that they're going to be able to stop it despite what people are feeling. I just don't think that there's really a big enough point to be made about the exclusivity one way or the other, whether they were going to make Call of Duty exclusive or not. I just think that that's kind of like, that's kind of BS. If you're a first party relying on a third party to sell your product, like, you know, it's, that's kind of your own fault yeah. at that point. Yeah. You know, I we've talked about it plenty of times before, right? Like Call of Duty isn't like the, the end game, right? Like if Call of Duty goes exclusive to Microsoft and, you know, all Microsoft services, are Call of Duty players going to just go ahead and buy an Xbox? Maybe. Or maybe they go to some other first person shooter and start playing that. So if I mean they don't have crossplay, people are gonna stay where their friends are. Potentially. You know, yeah. They could potentially stay there. I mean look, here, if you're playing on Xbox, you're gonna continue playing on Xbox, right? And playing Call of Duty. But if you're like a PlayStation gamer and you specifically like buy the PlayStation console to play other games and Call of Duty, and that's all you can afford is the one console, and that's all you want to play is the one console, you're probably going to look for something else to play other yeah. than Call of Duty. You might find another first-person shooter to play. Um, there's plenty of them out there. You know, Yeah, Call of Duty's got that recognition, but you do have things like Apex Legends that are out there and other first-person shooters that are coming out You know, on the year, basically, every year, yeah. that you can jump into, and it could be the next Call of Duty, right? Like, if you consider what Call of Duty was before the Modern Warfare games, it was just hot garbage, like, Civil War, World War games, and stuff like that that you played. Like, it wasn't... Until there, Modern Warfare, I had only ever played, like, Medal of Honor. I never yeah. played Call of Duty before. Exactly. And, like... And I don't, Battlefield was the one that was popular on PC before. Yeah, I don't know which company owns Medal of Honor, but that's a good point. Like, there's other, you know, other franchises out How long do people want to call duties? Yeah, Are people going to be calling duties in five years, maybe. But I mean, there's just other franchises out there that can be reborn, mm -hmm. you know, and can be turned into these online multiplayer games. So, and especially when other companies are getting flack for trying to go towards 
that like the last battlefield had a like huge backlash for the way that they tried to like change the kits and like the roles and stuff and they had this very defined one-way thing and then they're trying to get into more like what call of duty is doing and the fans are pushing back being like no we like this to be different if we wanted to play call of duty we've got lots of time to go do that yeah and now with uh I, we were looking at that games coming out next year list i saw warzone for mobile yeah so i would have figured that was already on mobile but i mean microsoft has been talking about how they want to push that mm -hmm. yeah i think what, what you're gonna end up having is it'll likely go through um I do think Microsoft is going to have to continue reiterating on those promises that are going to continue to have it, you know, via all of these other consoles. Uh, and I think they know themselves, right? Like you're not going to capture every single player for all of those games. Like somebody who plays a lot of PlayStation, plays a lot of Nintendo and doesn't want to buy an Xbox is not all of a sudden going to jump over to Xbox and exclusively to play like one game. Like it's just not necessarily <laughs> going to happen. Like I've talked about how I want to play the new Senua game you know, multiple times or help. Uh, yeah. The Senua game that's, or not Senua. I guess Senua is her name. I forget the name offhand, but um, you know, that's a game that I, I want to play really badly. Am I going to buy an Xbox? No. Will I get game pass for it? Yeah. And I'll play it on a PC once mm -hmm. I get my graphics card, but I'm not going to buy another console. There's just no purpose in me doing that. I've got a PS five. I've got a Nintendo switch. I don't need another console at this yeah. point. Um, so, yeah, I think for them, and we already talked about this too, Microsoft is boosting up their numbers on Game Pass. Like, that's their core concern. And I also don't think that we're going to have long-term next-gen. I don't think we're going to have another Xbox. I think it's purely going to be digital for them, PC. xCloud. Maybe some sort of, like, device that you can plug into your TV. Applications on TVs, putting Game Pass onto the PlayStation 5 or PlayStation 6 at that point, whatever it is. I think that's the direction they're going to end up going. Or what if they think outside the box? What if they go with the X bag? You're so bad, dude. You don't even have a kid and you've got dad jokes for years. Come on, the X bag, it's ultra portable. It's got slings on it so you could carry it with you wherever you go. You don't need to plug it in because it runs off the cloud. The X bag. Well, it doesn't run off the cloud if it's on your shoulder. It runs with you. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> next next thing. Uh, Elon Musk's Twitter gaming offers a glimpse of a chaotic future. And uh, this is Shannon Lau and Nathan Grayson at Washington Post. It's a big one. Yeah. So, by the way, uh, before diving into this, I learned today that Jeff Bezos actually owns Washington Post. So, Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, thanks, Jeff Bezos. Yeah, Daddy Bezos owns the world, apparently. Um, so, core thing that I got out of this meaty, meaty article is that there has been like a volunteer-like marketing piece within Twitter that has been dedicated to gaming. So, they had people that were really fans of gaming that were fully dedicated in-house to offer up like, like just making sure that Twitter was a safe space for gamers and like something that uh, people could talk about. So they would support like streamers, like smaller streamers and get them in touch with big developers. Promoting uh, growth. Yeah. Helping out with like big events like uh, Jeff Keighley stuff and like the League of Legends. The Summer Games Expo or yeah. whatever it was out. Like, yeah, or Summer Games Fest that came out. So yeah, they they specifically were like monitoring gaming content, replying to things, like just really kind of keeping gaming at the forefront within the company, specifically on the marketing side of the business, uh, working with like Riot Games and Apex Legends, like doing things around there. 
And uh, after, you know, the takeover, that department has been completely demolished outside of like one person. Yeah. And it's a real shame, to be honest. But, you know, I I question long term. They kind of alluded to in the article here, but I question long term what the future of gaming uh, holds on Twitter or what Twitter holds in future gaming. Um, you know, are we going to see because of the, you know, the turn towards more monetization type products like the checkmark, which has been absolutely hilarious to see that they actually yeah. just took it away. Uh, so if you haven't seen any of that, you've got Nintendo or yeah, Nintendo with Mario thrown up a middle finger on a parody account. You have uh, game freak us, which just got banned. It says in the next Pokemon, you can screw all the Pokemon and you got people posting like furry memes and stuff like Twitter's gold right now, to be honest. But it's the Wild West, baby. Yeah, That's it is what he wanted. Absolutely the Wild West. And uh so yeah, you could pay like eight bucks a month for like Twitter verification. And they were hoping that would take up like fifty percent of all revenue. Like that's that would generate that and would probably offset the lack of advertisers given people are running away. Yeah, because who wants to be somewhere where there is no regulation? Not advertisers. Advertisers want things to be exactly the way that family friendly advertising should be. They don't want any of that other nonsense. So, But see, here's where it's a little different from a marketing side of things. All right. Yeah, you can be XYZ company and say, I'm pulling my advertising dollars from Twitter because I'm not happy with the lack of regulation. But guess what? You may have had a certain amount of leads and a certain amount of revenue and things and marketing that came from Twitter. And you're going to get hurt from that in terms of your bottom line. And you know what's going to happen? They're going to go right back to Twitter and continue advertising on Twitter because that's where the people are. Like they haven't. Oh, and controversy gets more views. Yeah. And so, and right now, like I can imagine. Imagine if Nintendo had an ad under that middle finger. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, if Nintendo had some sort of ad, yeah, you'd probably like branding wise. Yeah. You don't want that, but. You know, I, I get it. Like, and that's why they're they're taking away that check mark. They just got rid of the whole concept right now. I think they're gonna have like an ID process and probably corporate process to be able to get like verification there. And then like say you wanted personally, you wanted to have your verified mark, you'd have to submit your ID and all of that stuff to get that. Versus as it looked like, people were just paying eight bucks a month for whatever account to get a blue check mark. So there wasn't any sort of regulation there. I think there will be. I think you'll have advertisers come flocking back because there's people there. And they speak to it in this article, too, to say, like, you know, yeah, you've got all of these people during, like, 2016, so they were going to move to Canada based on the outcome of the election. And nobody really moved. You might have had some, but nobody really moved, you know, countries. And so same concept here. You're going to have people say, I'm leaving Twitter. Well, it's kind of hard. Like, if you've been on Twitter for years and you really enjoy Twitter and all of a sudden there's this takeover and things change a little bit, you're going to come back. Well, what happened to, um, what was that last one? Tumblr. Didn't Tumblr get dumped like well, yeah, they eight got rid of years their, ago or they, something? Well, yeah, they were purchased by like Yahoo or something and they got rid of all the porno and that's what Tumblr was for apparently. <laughs> Like if they got rid Twitter's of Twitter's got porn. Now if they can, as long as they keep the porn, Twitter will be safe. Yeah, like if you know what, as long as the only hope I have is that Elon Musk can like somehow control all these OnlyFans bot accounts, dude. Like mm. I have I Yeah, we've so, been getting a lot of fake subscribers. Keep getting fake subscribers or fake follows. And I like I've I've looked at like other accounts, like other people are saying the same thing. Like there's just this multitude of fake accounts that have just been created for like OnlyFans stuff. And it's yeah. pissing me off. You're like, oh, we got four new followers. Nope. Two of them are some random chick that has like no address. It's been way worse too, I think, for like I know that I've seen for months people on Facebook saying like, 
there's lots of bot accounts going into the Facebook comments trying to be like, hey, you want a prize? Follow this link. Yeah. And with that over. blue verification check mark, like Twitter must be like, there was uh, some post that somebody did and it was like the click through rate for the engagement must have been like enormous because it had like 100,000 retweets. Like I saw that console giveaway that Barry posted the other day and the, um, premium edition games we're doing and i was like is this legit like i had to double check it to make sure because i was like with everything going on like you never know yeah so uh you know long story short on this one and uh you know is really this gaming wing of twitter is is gone and you know hopefully something can happen with it hopefully they can uh with this whole monetization as i was kind of getting to a little earlier they can start bringing in things like you know, verified, um, you know, streamers, right? And those streamers can have verified ways of like getting uh, funds or, you know, ways that they can make money on Twitter. And that's really how it's been over the years is Twitter's been a place where they've really lacked the ability to make money from well, a streaming perspective. And so know. people have steered away from it. The, the whole concept of that is like, at what point are you tweeting enough to make actual value like obviously you're generating value for the platform because people are there to read other people's tweets but like nebellion who just left like he was like a big source of gaming news and always posting like the latest stuff and he tried to launch a patreon and just couldn't get the funding and wound up walking away and being like you know it's just like i realized that the worth was easy access to what i was giving people not really who I am and what I was doing. And a lot of people were like, no, that's not true. I wish I had known that, you know, you were doing a Patreon. I would have definitely contributed and helped. And it's like, he could probably come back after that and maybe make a go of getting it to work. But at the same time, like if you need to put all that effort in from the ground up and you're just getting nothing back, like to walk away from that and not be consumed by that all the time must be so liberating like i don't know the twitter and social media i'm just not a huge fan of so like having to be like responsible for trying to make money on there by just giving people information and it's like or i mean i guess you could do other stuff on twitter like you could post art and videos and there's other things that you can do to contribute but like it just doesn't feel to me like Like I should be giving you money for Patreon money, yeah, just for tweeting, and that's because I'm not using him as a resource. If I was a news person and it made a lot of sense, yeah. that would make that would be worthwhile. But like other things, I just like I don't understand. Like Twitter needs to give people money because they're using their content to generate yeah. stuff. But I'm not gonna subscribe for any kind of like if there was a. Twitter premium thing where I could just like support creators and get rid of ads. Like I'd rather have ad Twitter. Like well, nobody wants to pay for ad free Twitter. I don't think. Here's what I question on the whole Nebellion thing, right? It's like he had 400,000 plus subscribers and he cited Patreon and not being able to get that off the ground as, as one of the reasons, right? To stop doing this. How greedy do you have to be to like, just leave because of that, like, just well, I don't think do, it's do, about do, being but greedy. But do the math and per, like, just do the math on it, right? Like, if you had 
a dollar a month Patreon and you had 10,000 subscribers out of your 400,000. I don't think all- he even had that. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think people saw the value. But like, nobody was, was going to go sign up for his Patreon just because he was yeah. tweeting. You but now that something. he's left, yeah. all the people who were like, oh, no, I was using that as a resource. Now that resource is gone. Somebody else will fill the gap. Yeah. Now they might go back and pay. Or now somebody might be able to fill the gap in. But, like, it just feels so unrewarding to have to get to the point where you build up all that and then it just never pans out because like that's a lot of work to have gone into something that just didn't come through well i'll give you one more example on and then the like, platform changes and uh, it's out of your control so one more example on like you know ways that like people utilize patreon and twitter right so i follow wrestling stuff and there's uh one guy sean ross sap and he has his own like patreon type setup or really subscription service for his like website right it's not necessarily patreon but it's his website yeah and for like five bucks a month he like has writers on his staff he consistently has you know things that they write about on there that's exclusive to his and he's an insider right for wrestling industry in a sense and he's got his twitter followers he's got like two hundred thousand followers but he's only got like ten thousand subscribers on his thing but he charges like five bucks a month Mm -hmm. so you figure he's making 50k a month on subscriptions yeah. on their loan, and that's only growing. I think it's actually twelve thousand or something now. And so that's where I get with the Nebelian guy. It's like, even if it was a thousand people, and you were charging a dollar a month, but he just doesn't like, have like a personality. He's just some guy. Like yeah. that other guy is like a wrestler or something. No, he's not a wrestler. He's just an insider. He's doing exactly like he's sharing articles, but oh, his okay. but he also writes articles. So if Nebelian's saying, "Oh, well, you subscribe to my Patreon, support me, and I'm just going to keep tweeting information," like. There's nothing in that, right? But if he was saying, I'm going to have exclusive articles where I'm going to talk about this, or I'm going to have a podcast where I talk about this, and the only way to hear more information from me is via my Patreon, then that's something worthwhile. Now, I didn't dive into it. Like, I don't know I don't think about either of us doing. have ever followed him. No, we haven't. So we're definitely talking on the outside yeah, yeah, here. Yeah, for sure. So like, if he was doing all that and he still couldn't get people, then that's a totally different situation. Maybe you're not marketing yourself right. Maybe... There's other things that, you know, at bay that are causing that to be an issue. But end of the day, like if you charge people a dollar per month, you're bound to get out of 400,000 people. You can't tell me you couldn't get 10,000 people out of 400,000 to like yeah. pay a dollar a month. I'm not buying it. So anyway, let's uh, let's dive into a uh, next piece here. And it's a uh, Nintendo considering various initiatives and further enhancements for Nintendo Switch online service. It's uh, Liam Doolin, our friend over there at Nintendo Life. And, uh, you know, really, there's nothing super crazy to call out here. You know, Nintendo is continually adding features uh, to their online service. They have 36 million subscribers on here, which is actually more than Microsoft Game Pass. Yeah. Um, and then it's under Well, it's Sony. only 20 bucks a year or something, right? Well, but then they have the uh, Nintendo expansion pack as well. So they didn't... Nintendo recently, like, when they stated, hey, we got 36 million subscribers, they didn't break out what amount was what. Mm-hmm. However, um, if you were on an earnings call, you could ask that question. And I guess it just wasn't asked. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I'm sure something like that'll be asked in the future. Uh, but it is interesting to see, you know, how many subscribers they have on this service and they're continuing to add more games. They just released a uh, 007 on there, I guess in conjunction with Microsoft for like mm-hmm. crossplay and such. Um, Paper Mario is added there. You've got the Sega Genesis games that are on there as well. So they've got a lot of great content that they're pumping out on that comp or that system. And people are enjoying it, obviously. And so they're doing better than Sony's doing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, with too, their they, retro stuff. I mean, there's other things that you know 
to consider, right? Nintendo still has like some janky features on their online service, but I think from a subscriber base or, you know, showing great success here and, um, you know, they're going to continue to, to put more features all in. those Mario Kart tracks still. There's so much on NSO, but I just, I don't ever play like online games with people and I don't really have a desire to go back and play a lot of old N64 games and stuff. Like if I did, it would be Paper Mario. And I mean, I could play that on my phone or just about anywhere, you know, if I wanted to. And the rest of it, like, the only thing that I really want from all of that in general is, like, I want <laughs> I want the N64 controller. I want to get the new wireless N64 controller. And, like, maybe I would play every once in a while. But, like, I've only ever gotten the base one so that we could play some games. I've really never gone and gotten, like, the N64 expansion pass set because I'm not going to play the Sega games. Not going to go online and race a bunch of Mario Kart, even though that would be fun. I played a little bit of Animal Crossing right before Halloween and then left before I did the Halloween night stuff. So I'm not going back to Animal Crossing anytime soon. So, like, there's just nothing on there for me, even though it is, like, one of the best deals. Like, yeah. it's, like, what is it, like, 35 or 40 bucks for the expansion pass? I think so, yeah, and, like, it's a fantastic deal. I mean, you're, you've are you got games like and, Super Mario that are commanding, like, ridiculous top-dollar price right now, and you're going to be able to play it on there, like, with an N64 controller wirelessly. Now, those N64 controllers are being scalped like crazy right now. Yeah, I think they're, they've been hard to find since they came out. Yeah, they have been. All right, well, I don't think there's much else to talk about there. I mean, Not a lot of meat on it. Yeah, not a lot of meat on it, but uh, you know, just knowing the number is a key thing there for me because we did just talk about Microsoft and Sony numbers last yeah. week. Uh, next thing here is our inflation deflation. Lots so, of numbers. Sonic Colors, uh, developed by Sonic Team. I don't know why I want to say Team Sonic, but Sonic Team is what you wrote. Uh, published by Sega, and it is directed by Morio Kishimoto and Takao, is that Hirabashi? Yep. Hirabayashi. Hirabayashi. I got close. It was released in uh, November of 2010. It is a platforming action adventure, and reception is anywhere from like a 7 to 9 out of 10. That feels about right. I would agree. I would say of all of the like mid-gen, I don't know why I say mid-gen, pre-gen, two-gen ago, whatever. Yeah. That 2010s era Sonic 3D games, this is the one that I've always heard had the best reception it's got 3D elements, it's got 2D elements, it's got lots of, like, not outrageous bugs and not crazy weird stories where Sonic's, like, kissing real people and and stuff. I think this one, they kind of, you know, focused in, did some things that they really wanted to take feedback from, like, the fans and give them more of a game that they wanted and kind of get away from like, I think this was right after like Sonic unleashed and Sonic and the black Knight. I was trying to read a little bit about it, but it seems like, you know, some of the gimmicks that were in there, they wanted to stay away from that. I know that this one has gimmicks. There's like these aliens that you get and they all have kind of different powers, but those powers are like more fun and give you different ways to kind of get through the levels and have some more, um, interactivity with certain parts of the environment. So it seems like a Sonic game that 
did well because they weren't trying to do too much. They weren't trying to have some crazy deep story or have all these, like, I don't know, pushing it to be more than Sonic. Like, Sonic does his best when he's being Sonic. And yeah. they recognize that here. Yeah, and that's one of the things, like, one of the praises that a lot of people... Um bring up in this game for sure is like it doesn't try to deviate too far from the formula overall and that's pretty much the most important aspect of it right like everyone loves sonic to an extent right and um you know as long as you keep that original formula in play and you don't try to get too you know pretty with it uh i think you end up with a pretty good game and that's exactly like when i was playing this game you know, while, yes, it kind of feels like PS2 graphics still, because it's on the Wii, which pretty much is PS2 graphics. Yeah, I think it looked pretty good yeah. for what it was. It didn't look bad. I think with component cables, we probably would have been a little bit happier. But, um, you know, in general, you've got the 2D aspect in many of the, you know, levels. The 3D doesn't feel like it's too much. It feels like a nice balance. Uh, the enemies that we faced were, you know, fairly straightforward, fairly easy. It did have its hidden elements throughout. And, uh, of course, music and colors and everything else. The tied music to was it banging. Was, yeah, it was pretty good. So I, I was actually quite happy with this one. I like the setting and the, like, setup. We only played, like, four or five levels. But, like, you know, Eggman built a big, like, not casino, but, like, theme park in space. And it's like, okay, this is, like, the perfect Sonic story. Like, obviously, Eggman did all this himself or built an army of robots? Like, how has this guy not been successful if he could just secretly build a giant thing in space? Like, that's a pretty hard place to hide stuff. Yeah, and then a blue hedgehog destroys it all every <laughs> single he, time. Yeah, Sonic and Tails are just like, how did we get here? Oh, flashback to them riding the elevator up because somebody left the keys inside. Yeah. It's like, okay, this is good Sonic story. I've been watching somebody play um, the new Sonic game that just came out. Was mm -hmm. it Frontiers? Yeah, Frontiers. And, man, that game has some divisive uh, reactions. Some people really say great things, and some people really don't. But everybody's kind of like, eh, it'll be in the middle. Well, I mean... But that storyline is trying to be, like, a lot more again. Mm -hmm. But people are still into it. Yeah, they're trying I just to like the lighthearted, comical Sonic where things are silly. Yeah, and that's what you get with this. And that's, I think, what a lot of people love about the movies, too, is like you've got that seriousness, but you have very much the comical features that are tied to it. And it just makes it like an enjoyable movie or set of movies now. And just like this, I mean, you have an enjoyable game as well that you can just sit back, relax. You don't have to like commit hundreds of hours to it. You just kind of, you know, sit down, play a few levels. Yeah. Go away, come play it again later. Like it just, it has that type of feel. Like you don't have to be stuck to it all day long. And uh, I really like that about it. One thing that I will say is in my mind, with as little Sonic as I have played, this definitely felt like a Sonic. Like I don't like the way Sonic jumps. I never have in most of the games. Like Sonic 2 Adventure is like the only one that I ever really liked that much. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't know. There's just something about getting around a Sonic that I don't like. Like, I like the sense of momentum and speed and everything. But as soon as you're, like, tripping over small ledges or having to, like, jump back and forth in platform, uh, that's where I kind of walk away from Sonic. Yeah, that kind of got me a little bit. Like, there's several times where I fell. I'm like, oh, come on. Like, really? Like, the jumping is just 
not working for me here. Yeah, like, just and I don't know it. if it's like you'd think the GameCube controller would be the best way we could probably play it. Yeah, maybe not. But I, yeah, we chose to play GameCube controller on this because we could. Um, I felt a lot more comfortable with that versus the the Wiimote sideways. Uh, but all right, let's let's look at brass tacks here. Uh, complete in box. It's uh, twelve oh seven right now. It peaked at twenty dollars. Wow, twenty dollars and thirty one cents back in May of twenty twenty one. It's trending down. A loose copy will run you nine ninety nine. Uh, that peaked at forty seven twenty nine November of two thousand ten, of course, and that is uh, holding at this point. I never know what to do with those. Like on the games that we've got data tracking all the way back to when it was first released. Yeah. Like. I could just pick some random day and say, like, all right, this is the highest it's been in the last five years. But, like, truly, the highest it's ever going to be, unless it really comes around, yeah. is going to be that right after launch window. And we basically have data for, I think it's most games after, like, 2006. Yeah. And then the uh, most expensive version you got, uh, Sonic Colors Ultimate Day 1 Edition, uh, which is a PAL Switch version, and that's 2586. Notice the colors. The color. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah, that's one funny thing. So all the PAL versions are colors with a U. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, 584 is the cheapest that you'll get, and that's a PAL version on the Wii. Uh, and then digital console, $39.99 on Switch. Digital PC is $39.99 on the uh, Epic Store. But it's advertised for $14.88. And I just saw $14.99 on, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, GameStop as well for like the PS4 versions. Yeah, so, so I am decided to kind of put this in there. So when I'm looking up the prices now, if I see an as-advertised price yeah. or like sale price or something peeking up at the top of Google, I'll throw that in here because I figure that that, you know, if anybody's listening and following and searching out these afterwards you know they're going to see that price and some people that's the price that they're going to go on yeah. they're going to see it because right now it's still full price digital and most of the time they're advertising like a digital deluxe version which is like 45 dollars. i don't know what they did to the digital deluxe version for switch but like for this you know 2010 so that's 12 years, almost 13 years now. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's worth it to go back and pay 45 bucks on Switch. I really don't. No. So I am all for that 1488, $14.99 price point uh, that you have for the PS4 version. So, you know, but we're talking about Wii here. So at $12, I think this is deflated. I think that, um, you know, it's definitely worth 15 bucks. Um, but given that you have the PS4 version out there, if you had to choose between the two, I would, of course, go with the most updated PS4 version. But if you're still chilling with just the Wii console and you don't have any of the new consoles, then yeah, I think this is totally deflated at 12.07. Yeah, if you can get any used copy of this for under 15 bucks, you're probably fine. Yeah, and it's a fun game. So, I mean, you're going to enjoy yourself. I mean, I always kind of put it to the cost of a movie, right? If you're going to go to a movie and popcorn and all that, you know, for three hours of entertainment, can you get that in this game at 12 bucks? Absolutely. So... And you can always watch that movie on some streaming service later. Right. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I don't know what we're playing next week. We never know. Uh, Probably something on PS1 or Nintendo. We'll figure that out. Uh, But this has been episode 209 of the Game of Players podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.